Keisha Gunter, and you're listening to Roar, an energetic and enlightening weekly podcast that will help you achieve more. This weekly infusion of candid insights, indispensable lessons, inspiring stories, and success strategies for living your best life now will help you on your journey to making your dreams a reality. My experience as a Fortune 50 business and tech executive has led me to meet some pretty amazing people. On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar! Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So what do I mean by Roar? The beauty of Roar is that it's both an acronym. The acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, a hidden power inside of us. It's a fire that's often suppressed by fear. That power is your Roar, and it's waiting to be unleashed. Today, I want to talk about taking a leap of faith you just might soar. Leaps of faith happen as much in the small moments as they do in the large ones. And your career requires that you take them. You won't always know how they'll turn out, but you'll be stronger, wiser, and more successful because of your willingness to make them. There are times in our lives when our inner voice is asking us to make change happen. And if we do, we can elevate to the next level. But fear often rears up so intensely that it threatens to kill that possibility. I remember this all too well. I had the opportunity to stay in Florida and take on a new role at my current job, and it was a promotion, or take a new opportunity in Oregon, well over 3,000 miles from my home in a place where I knew no one. While part of me really wanted to stay in Florida for so many good reasons, another part of me had this strange and clear feeling that the job in Oregon could be a more powerful trajectory for me. I had this tug of war between my fear and my inner voice. I remember thinking to myself, I will never know what could come of this opportunity unless I just go for it. This situation called for a leap of faith. It required me to just jump and go all in. Lucky for me, I did just that. I trusted my inner voice and put the fear and questioning aside. It was really tough to leave everyone behind. I remember feeling sick to my stomach on the flight to Oregon, but I knew that meant I was walking in the right direction. I read a quote recently that says, wait for the thing that scares you, then do that thing. That's exactly what I did. As it turned out, as I said, I made the decision to take a leap of faith, and that was the best decision I made in my career to that point. The moral of the story is sometimes you just got to know when to leap. My guest today, Mary Wilner, knows all about taking leaps of faith and soaring. She's had an amazing over 35-year career in high tech as a vice president with top Fortune 50 companies, including IBM and Intel, because she was willing to step out and take risk. Big success requires even bigger courage. Making a leap of faith for your career is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself and chances of success. She's done just that, and she's enjoying life today as a retired tech executive. How cool is that? I met Mary early in my career at Intel and was so fortunate that she was a member of my board of directors, affectionately called Team Lakeisha. She always encouraged me to bet on myself, use my voice in every room and every table, and take risks because the reward can be great. I am extremely blessed to share her with you today. With that, let's welcome Mary to the show. 
Well, thank you, Lakeisha. It's great to be here with you and to reconnect since it's been a while since we had a chat, since I retired and I've been doing a lot of relaxing. I love that. (laughs) You'll have to enlighten us. I tell you, I can't imagine how much fun you're having and enjoying retirement, right? You've absolutely earned it. So, so excited to talk to you a little bit more about all the things that I was able to learn from you while you were in corporate America and just uh, give you an opportunity to just kind of share your journey with uh, my listeners. I mean, it's so rich with so much opportunity and learnings. And so we're just excited to have you share that with us today. Okay. That sounds great. So before we kind of launch in and kind of talking about how you took advantage of stepping outside of your comfort zone, getting comfortable and being uncomfortable and taking those leaps of faith, which led to phenomenal career success. Let's kind of ground the listeners on a little bit about who you are. I want to have you tell us a little about your background and where you're from and and maybe share with us who were some of your biggest influences growing up. Okay, sure. Well, then I guess I just have to reintroduce myself and say that I'm really Maria de Los Angeles La Rinaga de Wilner. I love <laughs> Since it. I was born in <laughs> It's a mouthful. I was born in Cuba and uh, my parents And our family immigrated to the U.S. back in 1961, uh, fleeing the political situation in Cuba. And my parents and my brother and sister and I all came over. And at the time when we came, obviously, my family had nothing. And, you know, we struggled and grew up in a very thrifty way, I'll say. And... um, My father and my mother actually didn't speak English, and they always thought they were going back to Cuba. So many people who immigrate plan to stay here forever, but their situation was a little different for a lot of those immigrants because the assumption was they were going back once the political situation had changed. Mm -hmm. So initially, they didn't learn English. And um, what I found was that by a lot of hard work, my dad was the one that worked and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, he made a very good living for himself in the sense that he started off as a mechanic and by working hard and saving money, he opened up his own auto shop. And what I learned growing up was hard work can pay off. Mm -hmm. And it really did for him. And the other thing I learned, so as you can tell, since I jumped right into my dad, he was a big influencer in terms of someone that I saw working and turning that hard work into his personal success. Mm. And what I learned from him, I mean, he had a very small shop, but it was his and he was very committed to his customers. So if a customer called and it was Sunday and they broke down and their cars broken down, he'd take the call and he'd go help them and, you know, help them fix the car, whatever they needed in order Mm -hmm. to get them back on their feet. And I still remember my brother complaining about that when we were little. And my dad was like, you know, if you have customers, you have to be there for them. They have to learn to trust you. Mm -hmm. Those relationships are critical. And he was very, very big on relationships with his customers, with other, you know, like the auto parts store where he bought his auto parts, for example. He was very, very big on relationships. So it wasn't so much that we were told any of these things. It was more observations of how you lived that I learned some of these things growing up. And and I learned a lot about the importance of a business and how hard it is to have a business. 
and uh, maintain it. Absolutely. Wow. I would say you learned a lot about how to be a leader, how to build relationships, how to build trust, how to be there for your customers at a very young age. And you saw your dad pour his hard work, pour his time into what gave him joy, right? And that was the business and serving other people. That's fantastic. So when you think back on your experiences growing up, right, obviously these were very formative years for you and being able to see your dad as an entrepreneur and really uh, provide for your family. You know, what stands out for you as a defining moment that helped you establish your roar or help you find your roar? Well, growing up actually was a little difficult because it was a very a male chauvinistic environment. So although I speak all these things very highly of my dad, his view of the woman was, you know, her place is in the home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her place mm-hmm. is in the kitchen cooking for me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mom wasn't allowed to drive. She wasn't allowed to do lots and lots of different things. And neither were we. In fact, as a female, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to do much of anything, frankly. But I was really blessed because the one thing they did believe in and he believed in was education. And mm-hmm. I was able to go to the university and get my degree. So in that sense, that was very good. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I think having an education that would then give me the opportunity to go work somewhere else outside of Miami, which, by the way, it wasn't very far. It was Boca Raton, Florida, which is <laughs> okay. just an hour north of Miami, so to speak. But it was a new environment. I went to work at IBM. Mm-hmm. So I would say that was my first awakening because Mm -hmm. growing up in a culture that is very restrictive for women and then going into a work environment that I have to say back in those days for a large corporation, IBM was very focused at the time the term was equal opportunity, Mm -hmm. but it was a a very focused in that area. So there was a, a lot of support for women in technology. So I was very lucky to go into that kind of environment. And I think that's one of the first things that started awakening in me, the realization that I could do more. I could be a leader. Yeah. As a woman, I could still be a leader. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. So the education was really the passport for a tremendous opportunity as you've experienced in your career, starting with IBM. Talk a little bit more about maybe some of the other successful pivots you make. Because I know phenomenal career at IBM, and then I know you transitioned to Intel. You know, what were some of the key learnings that you took away from that journey? So my big learning and one of the pivots that occurred as a result of working at IBM is that I met my husband. All right. And I, <laughs> I bring that up. He's my second husband, by the way. But But I bring it up because he um, was actually a consultant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, IBM was the kind of company you joined and you're going to be there for the rest of your your life. And here was this person who joined this company, but he was a consultant and had worked in many, many different places. And that was the first inkling of my realization that you don't necessarily have to stay in the same place that you've started in. And um, as it turned out, IBM was shutting down the facilities in Boca Raton And my personal life is very tied to my work life and thinking that I couldn't move away from my family, which is a very typical of our Hispanic background was you stay close to the family. I thought, well, I'll take a local job thinking that 
it's fine, but I took a very different job. It wasn't in high tech. It was more of a IT shop and it was a small company, very, very different. And I realized I was absolutely miserable in my job. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I realized that, oh, yeah, I realized you can't be unhappy in your job and do well at home because mm. it all reflects, it reflects your whole person. And I finally came to the realization that I needed to take a bigger risk, a bigger step. And that's when I decided that it was time to move away from the family so that I could continue in high tech. And by family, I mean my parents and all the cousins, you know. <laughs> and so I um, applied to Intel, which was all the way in Oregon. And um, <laughs> it was a fabulous interview process. And I had never lived in Oregon, but my husband had visited and he thought it was a beautiful place and he was extremely supportive. I was lucky he had his own company, so he was working from home at the time. And honestly, if I didn't have someone who was so supportive, who had my back, I'm not sure I would have taken that leap. I mean, that was my first gigantic leap. And without him, I, I doubt I would have done it on my own because I had someone who was there telling me he'd be there with me. And it was a huge move, but we would make it. And we did. We moved out here and we love the Northwest. It was a great move from a career perspective and also a personal family perspective. It was the best thing I've ever done. Wow. Sounds like Mark played a great role in your life, really just kind of inspiring you to believe in yourself and that you could do it and that he was going to be right there along the way. You know, how did you take that lesson, right? And really start to, because I know you've mentored quite a few people, including myself, right? And we always, you know, struggle sometimes with, you know, am I making the right decision? Is this the right opportunity for me? Talk about how you've helped other leaders take those leaps of faith and maybe the process that you've helped them navigate to make the right decision for themselves. So I think a lot of it has to do with asking people the right questions, questions that help them come to their own realizations. Mm -hmm. What I find is there's a difference in terms of giving advice. And if someone comes to you and asks very specifically for advice, you can give them your own opinion, but at the same time to help them really come to more of a committed, enlightened position, it's all about asking them questions so mm -hmm. that they can come to their own realizations because that's usually what you commit more to, which is something that you now believe in. And what I found is as I manage different people, it, it took me a while to get to that place, by the way, you know, right. at first, <laughs> when I first started managing or started working with people, I thought it's all about me telling them what to do. You know, here I am, I've got all this experience. But it, it wasn't. Right? Mm -hmm. It was about learning their strengths, learning about their skills and abilities, maybe poking and asking more questions to hear what their challenges are, what they believe their challenges are, and maybe throwing in a few ideas, but letting them pick and choose what idea they're going to run with. Mm -hmm. And I think one example that comes to mind is that when I was mentoring a Hispanic male at, at Intel. and it was the smallest thing I said to him. I said, you just need a seat at the table. And later on, he came back to me and we talked because he had been talking about all his issues. And he said, when you threw that one little idea, that was the one that I grabbed onto. And it made a huge difference for me in my career. So you just, 
I think you have to be open to the fact that if you're working with someone, they may not take all the advice or all the ideas you throw at them because it may not work for them. Absolutely. Everybody's different. And so it's really about them coming to terms with what they think will be the most valuable for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of the gentleman that came back and said, hey, you know, what you share with me about finding the seat at the table really helped me in my career. You know, we've had a couple talks, of course, over time. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about was many times as women, we're presented with an opportunity. And many times we'll say no before we say how, right? And actually, I resemble that comment, right? (laughs) And so I want to know, you know, you gave me some on-the-spot coaching. So maybe talk a little bit about why it's important for us to not always sell ourselves so short, to really maybe leap, right, and take the step and then maybe figure it out along the way. Love your lens on that. Yeah, I think as women, especially, we tend to look at ourselves and look more at the negatives and in terms of what we're missing as opposed to the positives and what we bring to the table. And some of my experiences, I've actually taken new challenges because the person that was hiring me encouraged me to take it, whereas I was having my doubts about, wow, I don't have this much experience in this particular field. How can I do this job? But coming to the realization that you sometimes need to say, I don't need every check on the checklist. If I have a good portion of it, I have a good feeling in terms of the structure that will support me and my ability to be able to fill the rest of that checklist. I mean, it's a very rare occurrence when you are interviewing any individual for any job that they have every single thing on the list. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not the list because it's more than the list. It's the things that you can't write down on the list. It's, it's the interaction. It's the chemistry, you know, is this a team that you're actually going to be doing well in? Because as we work with others, teamwork makes us even better. So it's not just that one individual is this individual on my team going to make the whole team even stronger. And oftentimes when people are hiring, or at least when I was hiring, and and I've senior managers look for that, where they're not looking for someone just like themselves. They're not looking for someone that's just like someone else on their team. They're actually trying to balance the team and looking for different skill sets so that when you pull that team together, they're stronger and more creative because you've got different viewpoints or different capabilities. Wow, I love that, right? So the moral of the story is say how before you say no, or really take some time to reflect on the opportunity and assess what you have and be willing to say yes and go get the rest to some degree, right? Exactly. I love that. You know, talking about a leap of faith, right? I mean, it doesn't always end up that we soar, you know, when we jump, right? Sometimes we face plant in the mud, right? And and then (laughs) our worst fears can come true. And that creates memories that can haunt us for years in many cases. How do you navigate the feeling of failure when you face plant and really find a way to get up one more time and take that next leap with the mindset that, you know what, it's not going to look like the last time? Well, I have to say that's happened to me more than once, several times, actually. (laughs) And, you know, you get all excited about a new opportunity and you take it, then you're in it and your heart drops and you're totally unhappy. And to me, that's my definition of failure. Failure Mm -hmm. being that I'm unhappy in the job because I know 
being happy in the job is critical for me. But one is the realization. Is it just a temporary one? Is it because it's all new? Or so, you know, you have to talk to myself and say, hey, give it a little bit of time and, and let's see how it's going. And once I realize, oh, no, this was a big mistake, then I start to think about, okay, now what do I do? And in the now, what do I do? One thing I always remind myself is, you first of all and foremost keep doing a good job because doing the job and doing a good job is critical for your reputation and your reputation is in the corporation it's in the field that you work in that people know of you so for me it's very important that I'm still doing a good job and then I start to think about why I don't like the job and what do I want to do there what are the things that I was looking for that this in fact, did not meet my expectations. What were the surprises? Uh, I try to learn about the surprises, right? Something went wrong. I jumped and it wasn't what I expected. Why is that? Uh, Sometimes I realize maybe I jumped too quickly and I didn't do enough homework because there is that balance. You know, we say jump, but, you know, you want to jump and with a parachute, you don't want to jump and just fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then the, then the question is, you know, did I do enough homework? And in some cases, I tend to be pretty quick and jump and didn't do enough homework, I'd say. I think for each person, the level of homework they need to do is different. I mean, for me, it may be a week. It may be a day. For someone else, it may be a year. I don't think there's any right answer. It's what's important for you. That's the important answer. So then I start looking for the next job. I'm doing a good job, looking for that next opportunity, start connecting with my network to find out what's out there. And then start looking for, do I have a backfill? Is there someone ready to take my role on? Because the minute I find that next opportunity and I want to leave, I've got to make sure that I haven't left a gaping hole behind Mm -hmm. me. That's part of being a leader. You either have a staff that you've been building, or if they're not ready, then you have to be thinking of who else can take this role. Because for me, that's part of my job. I took it on. I want to move on. Now I've got to help find my replacement because I did a lot of good work here and I don't want it to go to waste. And so to me, that's very important. And especially if I'm leading a team I feel very committed to the people that work for me, and I Mm -hmm. want to make sure that I leave them in good hands. Absolutely. So those are some of the things that that I look for, you know, when I've, quote unquote, face planted and realized, (laughs) (laughs) but I tell you, it does help to have a good support system as well, right? Uh, Because you need to talk it out. Absolutely. You need someone who'll be there with you and understand what you're going through and encourage you and remind you, you know, there's light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. Thank you for that. I heard a lot of good things and all of it takes me back to reflection. You had to take the time to understand what do I really want next? And then even in that opportunity, Mm -hmm. how do I plan for success? And also before I take the next leap of faith, I need to fully understand, you know, is this what I want to do and put the proper preparation steps. And one of them is to pack my parachute at the same time. And you leverage relationships as well. That's wonderful. Well, and and talking about a leap of faith, we know it's not always a literal leap of faith, right? It can be small steps forward as well. Maybe talk about a series of um, small steps that you took that helped you create that big leap of faith. 
And then maybe this is the example you just shared, right? But I mean, many times we think we've just got to just jump from one mountain to the next, but it could be that you're building up. You're taking small steps that will allow you to actually move to that next big opportunity. Talk about a time where you did that. Well, actually, that's a good point because a lot of the steps aren't necessarily changing jobs either. It's what can you do in the environment that you're in that will help you grow and help you do something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think of some of the things that I've done and oftentimes I knew the things I didn't like to do that I wasn't so good at, but I'd seen these fabulous leaders and I would say, wow, they do that really well. I want to be able to do that. And I would find the things that I could do within the role I was in that would help me grow those skill sets and start moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, A big one for me was public speaking. Um, You know, as a young engineer, I would have been shaking in my boots to have to speak publicly. But, you know, as a leader, I would see that most leaders have to speak publicly and they have to energize their team. Mm -hmm. So those were things that I would see and I'd say, well, okay, I need to start building that skill set. And those are some steps that I can take, even in the job I'm in, because I can volunteer to do this, I can volunteer to do that, put myself in those positions so that I am forced to learn to speak publicly Mm -hmm. and to energize teams. There's a lot that you can do just within the role that you're in by stretching yourself and volunteering to do things, maybe a little bit outside of the specific role you have, taking on some responsibilities that nobody wants. Some of those steps have actually been what have led me to new opportunities. I love that. Yeah. I can think of one in particular where I had a particular role Mm -hmm. and there was a bigger problem in the organization. And so I thought about how do we solve this problem? And in talking to my boss about how to solve the problem, and he's like, well, what would you do? And then I came up with a, what would I do? And then he turns around and says, okay, then you take that job. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And that one was a really good opportunity, which I wasn't even thinking about it at the time. But you had the confidence to say, hey, here's how I might approach it. And he said, all right, sounds good to me. Go do it. I love that. I love that. Talk about maybe some things that happened to you once you took your leap of faith and threw yourself into the unknown. What I mean is, you know, many times, you know, these opportunities or these experiences that we go through, they shape us in ways that we can't even imagine, right? You know, what did you discover about yourself when you took those leaps and how did you feel? What were some things that still stick with you today about really how to have faith versus fear? Well, the first thing is to recognize the fear mm-hmm. because it was hands down every time I took one of those rolls on, my stomach would just drop, you know, <laughs> and I feel overwhelmed. Yes. And it is, by the way, it does help that my husband knows me so well because he would just say, he'd pat me on the back and say, You're going through it again. You're going through it again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we but all do. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all do. And we all have it in our own way, right? Everyone's experience of what they do is different. I get so focused in this new opportunity and thinking so much about it. And what do I have to do? I get so overwhelmed that I start to forget a bunch of other things. It's just this behavior. And he would always point it out and say, you're doing it. (laughs) So (laughs) It it helps that someone sees you. Yeah. But I think it's recognizing 
in yourself, what happens to you. And the more you do it, by the way, the easier it gets to recognize those things, right? Because you start see the, seeing those traits in yourself. And then you're saying, oh, yeah, Mary, you're doing it again. <laughs> well, I love what you're saying. I mean, many times we may not be fully ready to take the leap. And we may feel the pits in our stomachs, right? To some degree. But mm-hmm. that's probably our body saying, it's, that's the one you need to run to, right? If it kind of gives yeah. you goosebumps or makes you a little bit uncomfortable, that's probably the one. Because what I hear you say is you're not always fully ready, but you know that you know that you need to do it. So, and there's always goodness on the other side to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I love it. I love it. I love it. We could talk all day long to you, right? And I mean, you really articulate it just you know, your process and maybe your, your mindset as you begin to take leaps in your career. And, and of course it paid off. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you're fully retired now. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, you share with me that's important to just be ready and maybe talk about that. Right. I mean, the opportunity may not present itself, but when you would give the advice to me and so many others about being ready, what does that really mean in your mind as a leader to just always be ready? Well, it is about understanding what you have in your toolkit Mm -hmm. and understanding what you don't have and what you need to fill up on, so to speak, right? What are the things that you're not so good at that maybe are important regardless of the roles? Because in leadership, there are certain attributes that are going to be important, right? How is your network? Your network is going to be important no matter what job you do. How are you working that network? What are you doing to grow that network? What are you doing? And, and, you know, the ways to do it are still varied, that there's lots of opportunities for people to grow networks. But really thinking about what are your strengths Mm -hmm. and what are the things that you're not so strong at so that you can at least magnify your strengths as Mm -hmm. opposed to spend all your time on the areas that you're not so strong at. It's really about continuing to grow the things that you're good at and uh, recognizing some of the key attributes of leaders that you admire and what you would like to become. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, before I get to my lightning round of fun questions, is there anything else that I didn't ask Uh you or any thoughts that you want to share with us before we jump into the next phase? I think the most important part of whatever you do is that you're constantly growing, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so that you push yourself. Pushing yourself, I think, is a good thing. It makes you grow, makes you learn. Don't get into the rote. You know, you're kind of doing it and you don't even have to think. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. Wow, I love that. Love that. Awesome. Well, let's jump into a lightning round of questions. This will be real fun and easy too. So I'll say a word or phrase and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. What's your favorite food? Oh, wow. Everything. (laughs) Unfortunately, <laughs> bread, pasta, fish. Oh, uh, steak, I love anything. it. Seriously. So in retirement, you're just trying it all is what it says to be whatever you feel like. <laughs> yeah, I like to eat. <laughs> okay. What's your guilty pleasure now? Oh, dark chocolate and wine. Oh, I love it. Okay. Your current Netflix addiction, if you have one, or maybe your favorite series that you're watching. Not really watching any series right now. Trying to do more movies from time to time. Good deal. And I'm going to say dream vacation, but you get to take any vacation you want. And I know you guys live in a beautiful uh, place in in Washington. So, you know, if you guys could travel right now, where might you go? Well, it's not so much where might I go, but where have I been? And I have to say my favorite place was the Galapagos. 
Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Maybe a favorite book that you're reading right now? Ain't I a Woman? Oh, I, and, yeah. and, you know, it was a really powerful book. I love it. I love it. Yep. Yep. I know that book very well. And maybe your favorite hobby right now since you're retired. I just started horseback riding and I'm learning to ride a horse and it's lots of fun. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Mayor. I've enjoyed catching up with you. And again, I just wanted to um, give my audience an opportunity to hear from just someone who has been a tremendous blessing in my life and a role model um, ever since I got an opportunity to just get connected to you. So thank you so much. You and Mark continue to enjoy retirement and uh, we'll connect soon. All right. Well, thank you, Lakeisha. It it was fun talking to you and I'm so happy I made a difference in your life. You absolutely did. Thank you so much, Mayor. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time.